When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Allison Shapira. She is the author of Speak with Impact, How to Command the Room and Influence Others. Great to have you with us. Thank you. It's great to be here. I hope we will command the room in our we interview will. today. We will. We already are. <laughs> and influence others. Tell everybody a little bit about your background. Very unique, um, interesting background in terms of how you found your voice. Yes. My <laughs> Double first, entendre there. Exactly. I started out as an opera singer. That was all I wanted to do when I was growing mm -hmm. up. And I did pursue opera as a career, but very quickly realized that I didn't have the passion for it, for a career in opera. I was told by my teacher that I wasn't good enough. So wow. that didn't help either. Is that the norm? I mean, it, wow. I'm not sure if it's the norm or oh not, but, but actually when I tell that story, so many people will come up afterwards and they'll confess, they'll confide in me how their mother told them they weren't good at ballet or a teacher told them yeah. to stop playing drums and how those, those admonishments early on completely derail their dream. Yeah. So I, for whatever reason, that's what I was told. I believed it how as well. How old were you? I was about 19 years old. Oh, so you were an adult. I mean, I was in adults, college right. when I found out. Uh -huh. So I wound up leaving opera and I stopped singing for 10 years. No kidding. And I went into the field of diplomacy and started writing speeches for diplomats. And it was there that I realized that everything I learned as a singer made me a really good speaker and an even better coach. Wow. And so I started coaching others in public speaking by accident. And I started charging money and uh -huh. I realized there's a business. And then after those first few clients, I started to be more intentional about building a business. Okay. So tell us about the similarities, the overlap there of you know, what you just mentioned. There are a lot of similarities in terms of connecting with an audience. So eye contact, gestures, body language, the need to use breathing to strengthen your voice and command the room based solely on your voice. Mm. And these are techniques that anyone needs, especially as they move into senior positions of leadership, when they become the voice that people listen to, they become a role model, they set the tone for the entire company. And so those skills are very, very similar. Curious. You mentioned you work with business leaders and you talk about as you, as you get higher up in, in the C-suite. If you are an executive, does that necessarily mean, Allison, that you will need to publicly speak? Yes. It does? Yes. Okay. Because I define public speaking as any time you speak with one or more person oh. with some goal. Interesting. So it's not simply standing on stage in front of 
20,000 people. So it's not a minimum to how many people. No. Okay, now we're no, in the realm of this public is public speaking. speaking. Okay. Right here. So oh, anytime. <laughs> don't be nervous. I'm, I'm, I'm off the job right, right now. Right. So, off the clock. Off the clock. Yeah. Anytime you speak to one or more people. So you could be an executive speaking to the board of directors. You could be moving into a senior position of leadership, interviewing for that critical role. Mm. You could have just taken on the role of CEO and now you're addressing your new leadership team. Right. You're pitching to clients, you're empowering colleagues in a meeting, on a conference call. All of this is public speaking. It's a great point. It happens every day. If you work in a professional environment, unless you're sitting at home or, you know, working at home on a computer and not interacting with anyone, maybe just digitally. But everything you mentioned, an interview, a call, a presentation. Yes. I we mean, do it every day. Every day. When you put it in terms like that, you're like, wow, we all need these skills. You know, most people just think, like you said, there's a minimum. Oh, public speaking is giving a speech you know, on an all-hands day at a company. But not the case. Right. Which means every day we have an opportunity to practice and improve. Right. And once you look at it from that framework, then every day you're building a skill. And I believe public speaking is a skill and not a talent. Hmm. So once you believe that it's a skill, then you can build it every single day as opposed to saying, oh, I only practice it once or twice a year, so I'm never going to get any better. That's an interesting way to put it. And in your experience, in terms of the feedback you get, what is the biggest challenge amongst your clients? Is there one consistent challenge that everyone is finding, you know, it's difficult to get past? There are a couple different challenges, especially when you get to more senior levels within an organization. The first is that people don't have time to prepare. They're busy. True. They have uh, some people come in the office in the morning and they have back to back meetings throughout the whole day. Right. So they say, how do I have time to prepare? And in the book, I provide an easy to use framework to take 30 minutes to prepare. And if you're in any position of leadership, you should have control of 30 minutes of your day. So that is that is a minimum at least. I mean, if you're you have to, you know, give yourself the respect to say, okay, I need to block out 30 minutes. You have a busy day, but part of the busy day involves 30 minutes to pre- prepare for this for right. speech. Well, if you think about the potential impact you can have with a speech, mm. think about the ability to change people's behavior to get a client to say yes to a deal, to get volunteers to sign up to volunteer for your organization. Isn't that worth 30 minutes? Yeah. Therefore, we have to take control of our schedules for at least that amount of time. C-Suite Radio. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So let's talk a little bit about your opera career. You know, how does opera singing overlap? You know, we touched a little bit upon this earlier. I wanted to get into some of the, you know, the unique things that only you could discuss, sort of this performance anxiety. Right. Um, you know, and we all know this, when you see someone on stage who's visibly nervous, their voice shakes. Yes. And you feel so badly for them. It's like, oh no, do they know? And then they know, and then you can't stop it and it becomes like an involuntary mechanism. So you talk about that. Right. You talk about, you know, speech anxiety. How do you overcome it? So I just wanted to give viewers a little a little taste of that shaking. That's ha- what do you recommend? Absolutely. How do you teach that? The the benefit of having the operatic background is that I know how to breathe, mm. and I know 
all of us know how to breathe. But there are particular techniques that I learned as a singer to calm my nerves and project my voice. Wow. Now, as a classical singer, these are critical. If you don't learn these breathing techniques, you don't have a career. As a public speaker or as, as a leader, as anyone who communicates, these skills are critical and no one ever teaches us. They may tell us to project your voice. They may tell you to take a deep breath, but nobody teaches you how to do it. Right. And so in the book, I provide a framework for people to physically relax, to counteract the fight or flight response that's going on in their mind. Yeah. So they center themselves using breathing. Then they use these breathing methodologies in order to project their voice so that when they speak, their voice is strong. It doesn't have to be loud. It still be strong and that firm. it firm right. and that it resonates and fills a room and it has an impact. And, and the more senior you become in an organization, the more your energy dictates the energy of the room. Interesting. And your voice is a big part of the energy that you create in that room. It has yeah. a critical impact. No, I'd, I'd imagine. Um, you also talk about some of uh, the traps, things like they really pique your interest because you talk about fillers, uptalk. Um, minimizer, something called vocal fry. I thought yes. that was a side dish. Yes. <laughs> vocal fries, what's it's that? Not. It sounds like this. <laughs> oh. Vocal fry is when we're lazy in the way that we breathe and speak, and so we close off the air. Ah. And, and it doesn't command a room. It actually takes, it physically takes the air out of your words. Hmm. And they've done fascinating research about how the use of vocal fry can reduce your job prospects. Really? And interestingly enough, it affects the perception of women more than men. The perception so, of women. So men and women both use vocal fry, but in one particular study, they found that when women used vocal fry, it more negatively affected their job prospects. Really? Yes. Why? <laughs> It'd be perhaps because it plays into stereotypes of, of what it means to be female versus what it right. means to be a leader. And, and when those stereotypes are in play, then we have different expectations. Yeah. So it's, there's a fascinating conversation about how women are disproportionately affected from a lack of communication skills or vocal fry, whereas their male colleagues might not be as effective. What do you say to someone who can't stop their heart from beating really fast? I have people say that to me. I get so nervous. That's where the breathing comes in. people in your seat that are in my heart, they say my sure. heart's beating. Sure, they're light. You, right, your voice shakes. That's a breathing technique. There are two that? things that I do. And before I go on stage or before I walk into a meeting room, I'm practicing deep breathing in a way that calms me down. Mm. And I also answer a particular question that I build on in the book. And the question that I tell people to ask themselves is why you? Mm. Why do you do what you do? Right. What gives you a sense of purpose? And especially as we're going out to give a speech or speak up in a meeting, when we can reframe it away from us and onto our message, then all of a sudden we walk into a room, not to show how much we know or to look good, but we walk into the room in service of our message and in service of the people that we represent. And so once you connect with your why you, Yeah. then all of a sudden you connect with a sense of purpose and you walk in with so much more energy and authenticity, which makes your words have more impact. It is such a, it's such an invaluable tool because you're focusing on the purpose, not yourself, which really exactly. speaks volumes, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> talking a good one. to an opera singer. <laughs> um, the book's terrific. And, you know, we said it's your first one, but you have some insight you know, having a vocal background that others don't. And it's, it's definitely evident. Final question. Do you still sing opera? 
I don't sing opera okay. anymore unless it's by request from a friend. Okay. I actually am a singer-songwriter, uh-huh. and I perform um, as part of a tribute to Joan Baez and Joni Mitchell. Wow. We're called Joan and Joni. Incredible. So I've actually found my singing voice not as an opera singer, but as a folk singer. Wow. And, and I make that parallel in the book as well, because with opera, there's this feeling that it has to be perfect. Right. You know, the, the effortless high C. In folk music, it's not about being perfect. It's about being authentic and genuine. Mm. And so in folk music, I feel much freer. I feel more authentic. And as a result, I'm much more powerful as a folk singer than I could ever have been as an opera singer. And in the book and in my workshops and keynotes, I make the point that public speaking is not about being perfect. It's about being authentic. Amazing. And I did want to mention that the audience can download a free chapter. Yes. Yes. On your website, we're making a free chapter of the book available so your audience can download it, read it, and then hopefully pick up the book for themselves and the rest of their team. Okay. And I keep saying final question, but I, something is popping <laughs> into my head, Allison. That's fine. Um, do you, you know, this is what you do for a living. It's your job to be composed. Do you ever get nervous? Always. You do? I do. Okay. I get nervous all the time. Huh. Now, it's not debilitatingly nervous, but it's always helpful to have a little bit of nerves. And it's actually the same chemical that produce nerves that produce excitement. So if you reframe the nerves as excitement, all of a sudden it gives you more energy. And I think if you're not nervous before a high stakes speech or presentation, you're not taking it seriously right. enough. Athletes say that. And that's a matter of, or any performer really, it's a matter of, you know, how to manage the nerves. Exactly. That, that's the difference. And that's what you teach. Exactly. So. You capture them, you, uh, you absorb them, and then right. you use them yeah. to give a powerful right. speech. And if you're, if you're nervous, I think it means you care. Because you exactly. want to do well. Exactly. So, thank you. We could talk forever. Um, <laughs> congratulations. It's thank terrific. you very much. Thanks for being here. Thank you. My pleasure. If you'd like more information on the book, just check out our website, csweetbookclub.com, c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.